A radical departure from traditional nursing homes, Greenhouse is different in size, design, staffing, and how care is delivered. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. William H. Thomas. Dr. Thomas is an international authority on geriatric medicine and elder care and the founder of the Eden Alternative and the Greenhouse. Dr. Thomas, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Well, I'm glad to be here. What led to your passion for the geriatric population? I didn't really think I was going to end up in geriatrics. I I trained in family medicine originally and then did uh, work in emergency medicine. But I took a part-time job in a nursing home and found my life's work, found the place I really belonged, and I really fell in love with older people and and caring for older people. Tell us about the Greenhouse Project. Well, it's interesting. Here's a couple of facts people sometimes don't realize about our health care system. There are more than three times as many nursing homes in America as there are hospitals. In fact, America has more nursing homes than McDonald's restaurants. And most of those nursing homes were constructed in the 1960s and 70s, some in the 80s and 90s. But if you look at nursing homes as a group, you quickly realize that the buildings we use as nursing homes are getting older faster than the people who live inside them. So a few years ago, I got really interested in the question, what comes next? Where do we go from here? Are we going to build another 17,000 nursing homes to replace the ones we have? Or are we going to try something new? And and that's where Greenhouse comes in. Where were the first greenhouses constructed? We were really lucky back in 2003 to get some grant support from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. We found a very skilled and willing partner in Mississippi Methodist Senior Services, a nonprofit provider of services for older people in Mississippi. And the first greenhouses in the country, actually, were constructed in Tupelo, Mississippi. And is there a typical greenhouse? Do they house 10 residents, 100 residents? What do they typically look like? Scale is really important. And there are all different kinds of ways of thinking about and working with scale. But for people who need round-the-clock kind of skilled nursing care, we find that small-scale works best. So greenhouses are really designed for eight to ten elders to share a single dwelling, each elder having their own private room and bathroom, and for life to be centered in a common kitchen and what we call the hearth, where kind of food is prepared and people socialize. And that's really the essence of a greenhouse. How are they funded? Well, this is what's cool about greenhouses, is even though they're a community-based, non-institutional approach to long-term care, they qualify for licensure under existing nursing home regulations, and that allows us to use existing funding streams from Medicare and Medicaid to pay for the care that's provided in greenhouses. So actually, the neat thing is we can care for the most indigent people in America and the most frail and ill people in America who would ordinarily have to live in a nursing home can have their care paid for in a greenhouse instead. And how many of them are there? We're up to a dozen sites around the country. A dozen different communities have greenhouses operating today. And how does an organization, say, go about creating a greenhouse in their community? Well, I mean, the first thing, and I think I really emphasize the first thing, 
is to realize it can be different. Many or great organizations, great service organizations that have really done super things for older people don't understand that you don't have to take that old nursing home and replace it with a new nursing home. So I think one of the first and most important things, and, and frankly, one reason why I'm happy you asked me on the program, is to really make the point that it can be different. So anybody who's involved with a long-term care organization where you're starting to think about what you're going to do with that old 1960s-era building should really spend time studying up about not just greenhouse, but all, all the new and different options that are emerging around the country. What's the outcome? Is the building transformed typically? You no, know, typically people build greenhouses and then move elders from an antiquated nursing home into the greenhouses and then make some other use of the old nursing home building that no longer functions as a nursing home. And what feedback have you received? We're really lucky that the Commonwealth Fund actually developed a grant initiative that helped the University of Minnesota study greenhouses and compare quality of care and quality of life in greenhouses compared to nursing homes. And what they found was that people living in greenhouses were more satisfied by their daily life, had better health outcomes, their families were more satisfied, and I think, and this is very important, Families were happier also. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. William H. Thomas discussing the Greenhouse Project. Dr. Thomas, how are staff trained for Greenhouse? Our emphasis in training the staff is to say, hold on a minute. The old institutional hierarchy that says you're the nurse's assistant, that's going out the window. You know, you need to have the training that a nurse's assistant has, but you have to have something more. We call the job description, uh, the job of people who work in greenhouses with elders, we refer to those people as shabazim. And that's a crazy sounding word that really means people who are committed to making a good life for older people, Shabazim. And the idea is to give people special training in the art of well-being. So a typical nursing home will really focus its training on tasks. Here's how you bathe. Here's how you feed. Here's how you wash. We cover that stuff, but we put that task orientation into the context of a relationship with the elder. And we think that really long-term care, when you boil it down, really comes down to relationships. What feedback have you received from the staff? Probably the most important feedback we could possibly get is that staff turnover plunges in this model. And that in fact, people feel a real difference in their work life. And they, they develop a kind of commitment to the greenhouse and to the model of care that's really very energetic and enduring. So I would argue that probably the best feedback we've ever had is the significant decrease in staff turnover compared to a typical nursing home. What is your prediction for the future of healthcare? I think healthcare in the years to come is gradually, gradually going to come to focus more on the experience people have and less on the technology. 
I have to tell you, I mean, I'm a big fan of healthcare technology. I'm a big fan of effective treatments and pharmaceuticals and surgical procedures. I'm very supportive of that. But as a system, we've got to get our healthcare system to focus on relationships, community, and quality of life. I think the pendulum's going to swing more in that direction. Tell us how your efforts dovetail with the end-of-life care initiative. Well, there's some beautiful people doing end-of-life care. Just to hear the, it mentioned, I have to bring up my good friend Ira Bayak, who's done remarkable work in this field. I think what end-of-life care and palliative care really, really has to, to teach us is if it's good for people who are dying, it's good for everyone. You know, Everyone should have comfort when they're ill and, and trying to heal. Everyone should have a thoughtful, compassionate physician involved in their care. Everybody ought to have nurses who, who are not only knowledgeable about treatment, but also knowledgeable about well-being and quality of life. So I think end-of-life care actually has a lot not only to teach long-term care, I think end-of-life care has a lot to teach surgeons and specialists of all kinds. Tell us about your book, What Are Old People For? Well, when we decided we were going to kind of launch this greenhouse as a national model for a new kind of long-term care, I actually took a couple of years to sit down and very carefully research the evidence-based reasoning that really lies behind the greenhouse. You know, some models of care, just we kind of stumble on them in our practice. Well, the greenhouse is, I think, unique in that it's based on a careful evaluation of the of the literature and a very detailed description of what the model is. So in What Are Old People For?, you kind of go on an adventure where you learn about aging and society and culture, and then from that, you get the greenhouse. And how about your book, How Elders Will Save the World? The other book that I think is really useful to people is a book I wrote called In the Arms of Elders. And that book really takes a different approach. It's really a, a novel. It's a work of fiction. It's a love story. And it covers the same ground, but more from an, a kind of an emotional relationship story kind of angle. And, you know, when you get down to it, I think in order for people to really understand the world, you have to have both the facts and the dream. Just facts alone don't don't get you, and just dreams alone don't get you. You really ultimately have to put them together. What happens without giving away the story in the arms of elders? Actually, the lead characters in the book are my wife and I, and uh, without I will not give away the ending, but I can tell you that my wife and I are swept away to an island that's unknown to the rest of the world called Kalamos. And in Kalamos, the people live with elders at the heart of their community. And then adventures ensue, and we wind up back in this world teaching people what we learned in Kalamos about how to put elders at the heart of your work and your community and your family. And where did the name Kalamos come from? Actually, Kalamos comes from the ancient Greek Kalama, which means beautiful. And I just changed it to Kalamos to indicate a place. So beautiful place is what I mean. And where are these books available? Either online or in, actually, most bookstores have them. What are old people for and in the arms of elders? They're both in paperback. So, How can listeners learn more about The Greenhouse Project? Go to a website called thegreenhouseproject.org. 
thegreenhouseproject.org. We'll take you there and show you projects and things we're working on and give you a lot more detailed information. What else are you working on? Two new things. One, I've taken a position as a faculty member at the Erickson School. And the Erickson School is really the first university-level program in America to, to kind of really concentrate on the management of aging services. So I'm a professor there, and I'm really having a lot of fun with that. And the other thing I'm doing is I'm starting a blog. The blog is at changingaging.org. Those are two things I'm working on right now, and I'm having fun with both. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us to discuss the Greenhouse Project. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.